0: If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at Your sponsorship may be tax-deductible. Well, wouldn't you know it's that time again. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osef Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode of the month of April. The year is 2023. So glad you can be with us. As always, you can check us out online at OSAFoundation.org We're on social media. At uh, facebook.com slash osa foundation, Twitter and Instagram at osa foundation foundation, hashtag how you play the game. We're on YouTube. You can contact the show via email with the address podcast at osa foundation and wherever else that you happen to find us across the interwebs. Uh, another fantastic episode today as we continue our series in, uh, in interviewing some people that I was fortunate enough to, to meet in Indianapolis. This young man with me today. I'm going to get into his resume because I think it weaves very nicely into our conversation, but he is currently serving as a principal and managing director of strategic communication at Bose Public Affairs Group. Good friend of mine, Roger Harvey. Roger, thanks so much for being here. How are you, man? Hey, Jack.
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, You know, you and I met very early on a Saturday morning in Indianapolis, probably when we were still half asleep, uh, to talk about um, – some things regarding officiating at the uh, officials consortium that the NFHS was was hosting. Uh, can you start by kind of providing listeners with an understanding of how your position in your group uh, relates to the mission of improving the state of officiating and kind of everything that we were going into as we began that conversation back in January?
1: Sure. Uh, I guess from a macro perspective, what we do is we help our clients uh, tell their story and we work on messaging and not only what they're going to say, but how they're going to say it. And so that's how our connection uh, got to the National Federation of High School um, Sports Association. You know, there, are, as you know, every state has a governing body of high school sports, and they all belong to this national association. So we have done some work in individual states and in helping um, state associations dealing with issues that might come up regarding high school sports. This is everything from Students who magically appear in a state from another state uh, to join maybe a private school. Mm -hmm. And then you have some of the other uh, teams in the conference wondering, where in the world did this person come from? Yeah, that type of thing. And then also, you know, dealing with what you might see on the news from a crisis perspective um when when bad things happen as it relates to athletes in school or at sporting events and so that's what my connection was to the organization that's how i got to meet you that day Mm -hmm. um because it was a convening um of of folks from across the country trying to figure out how to tackle this issue that we're facing where uh there's a shortage of referees and what are some of the causes what can we do to correct that problem going forward
0: right that's a great way to, to sum it up um you know, it's it's so funny as I was as I was researching for this, I'm reading your your list of credits and your background in journalism is is absolutely amazing. Uh Emmy Award-winning journalist, you have noted your memorable assignments being uh, in Afghanistan, Hurricane Katrina, 9/11, the Olympic Games in Sydney. Um, your reports have been featured on many different networks. What drew you to your current position after such a you know or or while continuing this 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 remarkable career because it seems like this is a the next step in that in your career path based upon what you've accomplished
1: thus far yeah well thanks jack yeah i spent 18 years um in television news and what i tell people all the time when i when i speak at at conferences and so forth is that for those 18 years you know i told stories on the evening news Mm -hmm. and and now what i do is i help clients tell their story and so Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned some of the things that I that I did in terms of traveling around the world. Um, for me, um, it was just, you know, one of those times in my life where, especially after Hurricane Katrina, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Right, and, yeah. You know, Oprah calls at the aha moment. For me, it was more of the oh, fill in the blank moment, of, <laughs> you know, being sent to Afghanistan and covering Katrina and some of the other things I've done. I thought, I've got to do something else with my right. life. So I had this crazy idea of, of merging what I've done in journalism, covering crisis events firsthand, being that person in the lobby waiting for the CEO mm-hmm. to ask him you know, about wrongdoing or what have you and, and covering these big events and and meshing that with um, the public affairs side of the world. So that's not just necessarily media coaching and media relations, but also on the um, advocacy side, you know, whether it's legislature at the state or federal level, where you build coalitions of like-minded people and and how do you affect change right um, at the state house or in Congress? And so that all kind of came together. Um, you know, I told people I, I don't have a uh, of an MBA. I I have a an MBA in the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> and uh, when I was coming back from Afghanistan, I was on a C-130 with the 82nd airborne out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Looking out the window on that lovely 24 hour plane ride. Oh, right. Yeah. And just pulled out my reporter pad and started jotting, jotting down ideas what I had for this business. Came back, quit the news business. Everyone thought I was crazy, you know, having, they're like, you're too young to be having a midlife crisis. Yeah. Um, but I decided to do it and, um, you know, started from scratch. And here we are today. Thank goodness I'm I'm still gainfully employed. I was going to, hey, seeing how you're only 30 years old, you know, having yeah, a midlife right. crisis
0: at 15 <laughs> is, you're just getting ahead of it really. It's that, you know exactly work smarter right. not harder, right? That's right. I've always been an overachiever. That a yeah. boy? Oh <laughs> boy? See? That's why we like you. <laughs> um so so to kind of circle back, you've, you you your work has a very strong focus on um effective communication, which is obviously kind of the 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 crux at of what you've said about how to help people tell their story. Um do you find that there are certain particular or common faults, shortcomings, uh, or you know other things that that are regarding communication that that frequently pop up, and and how how do you overcome that as you tell those stories uh, in 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 context with kind of the the, the overarching officials sportsmanship um, NFHS stuff that we've been talking about thus far?
1: So one one of the common themes that I that I often uh, encounter, and this, this is not just from sportsmanship and athletics, but just in general, as it relates to communication is two things usually happen. One is um, we all have a tendency, and especially people that are very successful um, and, you know, they're feeling the pressure as a president or a CEO. um, They don't always listen as well as they should. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, quite honestly, since we're not naming names, they talk too much. And so, so you have a little bit of a disconnect there, no matter how wonderful and smart and innovative they are. Um, and from a communication standpoint, that oftentimes causes causes problems. Right. Um, and then the other thing uh, that oftentimes comes up as it relates to communication is, is expecting people to be on the same level you are in terms of knowledge of whatever the issue is. And so you end up, um, in many cases, people end up talking past the other person, mm-hmm. And in regards to what we're talking about, talking past the media. And so what happens is you have a frustrated executive that picks up the paper the next morning or watches the newscast at night. It's like, that's not what I said. You know, they took me out of context. And, you know, oftentimes it's blame the messenger, Mm -hmm. never really holding up a mirror and taking a critical look at at your performance as an individual. Could you have done a better job of helping the reporter understand the issue? Could you have done a better job with your examples, your analogies? Um, and could you have better done a better job of listening to the questions and answering those questions as opposed to just, you know, anticipating or expecting? Well, well, Mr. and Mrs. Reporter, I think the question you're asking me is, you know, that type of thing, which I don't right. like, obviously.
0: Do you do you think that? there's you know there's there's a very basic way to kind of do that for for the lay person i mean i always find myself in situations where if i'm discussing something like officiating for example you know you, to to try and ex- ex- uh, explain some of that to people. I almost feel like I'm patronizing them. I almost feel like I'm talking down to them sometimes. Is there like a like a general rule of thumb that we can use in our communication to to make sure that we're explaining clearly without kind of you know trying to to tell the tale from the dawn of man or anything like that?
1: Right. Oh, that's that's a a great uh, perspective on it because I feel that way sometimes too. I think we all do. We mm-hmm. we don't want to be that person, right? <laughs> Being Uh, that's talking down to someone. And, you know, there's some techniques that you can, uh, that I would suggest people use. One is, you know, always a great one is is humor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so anything that you can be a little, um, you know, you you can be a little critical of yourself, if you will, or bring yourself down and say, you know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, or, you know, I've been wrong a few times in my life, you know, just anything to disarm the person. And then you can load up. You know, I, I tell people many times, it's like when I'm dealing with my own kids, you know, it's like if if I want them to do something, I'm smart enough to not tell them I want them to do something specifically. What I try to do is what I use, guided discovery, right? Okay, get, yeah. Get them, get them to where I want them to be without me saying it. Because once dad says, do this, that's, you know, oftentimes a kiss of death. Right. And so I think, you know, if, if you're if you're trying to educate someone or, you know, instruct them, um, anything you can do to kind of just bring yourself down to their level um, so that they don't feel, um, you know, as as uh, threatened, if you will, that, you know, here comes big bad Jack trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong right. and how I can be a better person. Well, uh, we
0: you heard it here first. Roger Harvey has been named father of the year based upon his ability to get his kids to do what he wants. I don't say uh, I'm and, always
1: successful, but it's, exa- uh, well, hey, if, it's if, an ongoing if could, effort.
0: If you could just start writing the book now for all of I find I find that to be um so helpful because you know we talk a lot as uh, you know, the in in addition to you know the ideas of what we Used when we first met, talking about the state of officiating and and how the media relates to that and and whatnot, you know, in terms of my organization with sportsmanship, we always say that there that that there is sportsmanship in the media from the standpoint of how you communicate, and it seems like what you're trying to you know say here, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there are very very good ways to to choose to say certain things to get that message across. Um, and and that's important as we as we try and communicate this. You know, we we live in a time where effective communication can be very rare. And it seems like, you know, it's it. it, it I mean, is it as simple as coming back to saying it's not what you say, it's how you say it?
1: I think that's a part of it. I, mm-hmm. I think also as a and we talked about this a little bit at the um, convening, you know, part of the challenge, too, as it relates to athletics and officiating and, and what we were talking about that day, the shortage of officials is that. You know, you almost have an intersection of of um, explosiveness, if you will. Right? Mm-hmm. You have tremendous passion, and I'm I'm probably going to spend more of my time focusing on the parent side of it.
0: That's fair. Uh, you
1: know, one of two things that I've seen that happen, and I, I was fortunate enough to play a fair amount of competitive sports growing up um, in South Florida. Um, but oftentimes, the the parents that are the most outlandish. Uh, many times are the ones that that probably didn't get as far in their um, athletic career, in my opinion, than maybe they wanted to, and so they're living vicariously through Jimmy or Sally. Mm-hmm. And so, when someone challenges them, so it could be a referee um, on a call, or it could be even a coach. You know, why isn't why isn't my kid playing more? My kid's a much better first baseman or right. a better tennis player, golfer, whatever than than so and so. You've got all that emotion, and then you also have, as you know, um, you know, uh, high school sports, middle school sports, travel sports. I mean, it is a huge business and a ton of money. I mean, there are families, as you know, Jack, that don't go on vacation or, in fact, count their vacation as traveling to, um, let's say, Indianapolis, for example. Mm -hmm. We have a facility called Grand Park where we have, you know, baseball teams and soccer teams from across the country, and they have these huge events. Well, for a family, you know, traveling, you know, in the travel team from the West Coast or Alaska, that's a significant investment. So when you have families not going necessarily maybe to Disney World or to Hawaii, they're going to Westfield, Indiana to play at the tournament in Grand Park. And you get there and then your kid's not playing or, or you feel like the ref, you know, hooked your kid on a call, mm-hmm. that, that creates that, that explosiveness. And I think that's part of what you're seeing is, you know, a lot of these cases is just that you know it's almost like a pressure cooker where you know they just unload and and that that's one of the the challenges i think you know we face and we were trying to tackle is how do we address that issue um so that parents don't become completely unglued in these mm-hmm. situations
0: i mean is it is it as simple as and, and again i i know that there are economic sides that go into this um you know so so far be it for me to try and um, dictate to other people how to live or anything like that. But is it as simple as, you know, suggesting that, you know, these people take a step back and realize that, you know, a, a vacation should be separate than taking the kids to, to the travel, you know, ball game or anything like that. Or is that, I mean, I, I know it's probably not as simple as that,
1: Yeah, you know, I, I wish it. Yeah. I, I wish it was that simple. Unfortunately, I just think it's, it's part of the dynamic that we're facing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when I, when I was growing up we had you know I played travel baseball travel basketball and I had just enough talent um to do okay through high school but that was the end of that was the end of Fair. Of, of that tennis was a little bit different that was mm-hmm. that was my main sport but even okay. then you know you would travel to regional tournaments and things like that I mean we were never traveling across the country it just that level just didn't exist and so you know I think now just the competitiveness is that you have to you know the pressure on these kids to to commit to a sport, you know, by six or seven is crazy. You know, and yeah. you um I'll use tennis as an example just sure. because you know, you look at the you know, we haven't had a lot of really good American tennis players lately, um, not since you know the days of Andy Roddick. And they asked a couple of of international players about it and they said, well, you know, the difference is over here, and um Stan Wawrinka was at one of the the um tennis players, right um that was asked about it and he said well the difference is over here you know roger Federer and me you know we played sports multiple sports so we're about 15 so we're developing our bodies and our muscles much later you know we don't just sit out there and bang tennis balls you know once we're five years old and oftentimes that is what happens over here in the united states mm-hmm. is that whatever the sport is that's all you're going to do and you're not going to do anything else and i think that's part of the problem too, is because you're spending all this money on the coaching and the special, you know, the specialization. As I'm sure you're, you know, you see firsthand. Oh, very much so. You know, it's yes. it's you know, in the slow motion video analyzing the pitches. You know, when you're umpiring, I mean, these oh kids, my god, a lot of them are they're almost like robots. Yep. You know, and that's just not the way it is in a lot of other uh, areas, other parts of the world, and it certainly wasn't the way when we were growing up. And so I think that's that's part of the problem too. is You just have this huge financial investment you know, and the reality is I've seen a couple of, of perspectives on this. It's like, if you took all that money for, you know, 18 years and threw it in a 529, oh, God. You, know, you, you probably would come out a little bit better with uh, with paying for college. I was going to say, I think that's and having considered a, a free ride,
0: right? You know, geez, that's, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's, I feel like it's a double-edged sword too, because, you know, I can remember when I was growing up, you know, we had not yet reached that level of, specialization being so prime i i found myself choosing to play baseball but i also knew that there were other sports out there you know you, right. you leave it in the hands of the kid rather than rather than having a parent telling you you're just doing this um but that's not always the most easy thing to communicate and i imagine the communication between parents and kids you know with that are probably is probably also uh, I mean, tough to say the least. I mean, you know, it's very difficult for, you know, uh, you know, parents and kids to communicate these days. I mean, do you see, you know, elements of that, you know, based upon your expertise in communication where, you know, there are better things that we can be doing just within the dynamics of the family to to try and, and, and communicate better with that?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's a happy medium. Certainly, if you look at 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 top performing athletes, you know, at the top of their game there's a fair amount of them that have the horror stories, right? Right. Like, you know, dad kept me out in the yard till whatever. Oh, dark hundred, you know, pitching or hitting wedges, or we couldn't leave the putting green until I made 30 in a row. I mean, let's, I mean, we gotta be realistic about it there, but there are a surprising number of ones where it's like, yeah, you know what mom and dad just, you know, told me to do what I like to do. I really like this. They supported me. They didn't give me a hard time about it. So to me, I think that's the side of the equation. You and and those folks do very well too. Um, you know, and a lot of it too is right. Is it's it's your wiring. You know, do you um, do you gravitate toward or do you welcome you know somebody riding you? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or if you the mindset of that, I really don't like that. You know, I think everybody should get. You know, everybody's a winner. Everybody should get a you know a participation. Um, or nothing nothing wrong with that. But that's you got to understand what the dynamic is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, just one quick example back, no, I, yeah. I, I taught tennis for a number of years in, in South Florida when I was playing. And, um, there was a, uh, there was a tennis player who had phenomenal talent. She was six years old, but I could tell, you know, I, I was working with juniors at the time mm-hmm. that she really had something. And her dad would stand there, um, off the court, um, and he had played, um, a professional sport overseas and he would yell at her and you know it got to the point i'm you know i'm a high school kid you know i'm like i can't confront this parent so i Mm -hmm. told our head pro and he kind of dealt with it but you know this 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 player turned out to be a very successful professional tennis player and so forth but then got into some trouble later in life and i can't help but think you know wow i wonder what impact you know being brought to tears as a as a youngster um played into all this and so that's where that pressure is i it's you know it's it's hard to, to figure out what causes people to do what they do, but I don't think that's a that's a healthy thing. And I think that's what you're seeing now, especially when you have these referees and a variety of sports saying, Look, this is not worth it. I, you know, I stayed in the game because I enjoyed the game. I wanted to be a part of the game, which is right. what I think most people, you know, you deal with Jack, it would say to you. But then at the same time, I don't need this grief, you know. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of these incidents are turning violent, and that's even worse. It's not Absolutely. just staying bad things; it's actually doing bad things.
0: Yeah, um, I was just—I was literally just saying this to a, a high school baseball program yesterday when I was when I was invited to talk to them, and I said we've reached a point now where more and more officials are essentially saying, you know, I get paid the same amount to go work a middle school game by myself with a time limit than I do. Uh, that I do to go work a varsity contest you know that's that has no time limit and it's you know the tension's much higher you know right. at a certain point we all kind of snap and we say well if if the money's the same why am I going through with the longer you know more tense thing when I can just get it you know on a very short relaxed thing you know and it, it just seems like in, in in all of these cases whether we look at it from the official standpoint or even the kids standpoint whatever it's You know, there, there, there there is an awakening that is that is happening, albeit at different times, different. You know, some faster than others and whatnot. Um, You know, you said it yourself, and you're talking about you know the disposition of people. Some people need to be kind of hounded to do things, and others others don't want that. Um, You know, so there is that 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 variety. But we're hearing more
1: of the horror stories than we are the positive stories. Does that seem fair? Yeah, absolutely agree with you, hundred percent. And i I don't know the answer going forward on how we change that, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's what we're starting to see um, more and more of. And the other thing too is that that's an important part of the communication is just the you know the advancement in technology. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids laugh at me because you know I still have an Apple Ten uh, iPhone. Oh, how dare you! you that's know? ancient, yeah. you know. And so when they've got the fourteen Max Pro, whatever, whatever. And, you know, yeah, the pictures are awesome and everything, but really what that does is that now with technology being what it is, that really puts them on the same level, quite honestly, of quality of video that you see on the evening news. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's a journalist in the stands now. Yeah. And so when a parent does, you know, flip a switch or, you know, goes haywire, that video is right there. It's caught, it's captured, it's uploaded, and it's there for the whole world to see. I'm not naive enough to sit here and say, you know, back in the day when I walked barefoot uphill both ways to school, you know, not that person. But the reality is when things like this happened, and I'm sure they did, when, you know, we were growing up, there wasn't that immediacy, right? There was no internet. There was no Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or what have you. So you might have heard about it or a paper might have written a story about it, but you weren't going to see it on the news because no one had video of it. So I I think that, that kind of you know, it kind of fulfills or or kind of, I should say, fills the um, the tornado, if you will. Yeah. Um, that it's happening everywhere because, you know, you'll see a story in Wisconsin or pick your state. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help solve the problem either.
0: No, that's true. And, and, and for the record, I'm even I'm even smarter than that. I still have my uh, iPhone five over here. So I'm just, you know, making sure that I don't have anything
1: going on. All right. And it's all I, I did. I did find. I a, a recently moved, and I found a BlackBerry that I. Had oh my god! So that's glass from the past. <laughs> Please tell me you put that on
0: eBay and made back, millions back of dollars. Day. No, I just held
1: on to it. Okay. Like, yeah. Keep
0: safe. Just make sure you dust it because the dust can get you know pretty right. bad. That's right. <laughs> you know. And now, now speaking of the 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 technology and everything, um, you know, we we as you just said, we live at a time where information is instantaneous and and i you know i i'm with you in that you know the way that i grew up you you didn't have the instantaneous information it was you you know if there was anything going on in the world you waited until the evening news or the paper the next morning the internet was still just starting to become a thing you could get some news stories you know instead of waiting for the morning paper but it wasn't the same thing with the the 24 hours news cycle it wasn't you know send a picture or a video with a click of a button um, i i i feel like it has its benefits but we are seeing now that it, there are some some downsides that can be equally if not worse than those benefits how how do you combat that in your position as you as you try and, and help people communicate effectively knowing that those other things out there can be some of the biggest
1: hurdles yeah, so the, the biggest thing, and this goes to the work we do in in cr- what we call crisis communications and and reputation management, is that, you know, there there was a time when something happened, you turn your TV on, you know, and you might see a, it could be a business that's on fire or the mm-hmm. highway shut down or the police are involved in an investigation that's, you know, da- in a downtown city that's, you know, affecting traffic or people, unfortunately, losing their lives or what have you. Right you know there would be a period of time where it's like okay well you know we'll get a statement out to the media in a few hours or we'll you know that's all out the window um in my opinion you you literally have a call it the golden hour so you've you've got that first you need to get something out um to the media um to the public depending on how they're being impacted um as soon as possible mm-hmm. and so we work with clients on the front end on this you know, we, we work with them on what keeps you up at night. What are your biggest, you know, we do a threat assessment on, on their business. And so we're prepared for multiple scenarios that are likely to happen. Now, granted, anything can happen Mm -hmm. as we all know, Yes, but it's better to have the big four or five, whatever they are, we work with the client on to be ready. And so that way, when something happens, we're not staring at a blank screen. Um, We can actually be much more thoughtful, and um strategic and how we're going to respond to a situation. But a lot of times companies don't don't do that. More and more are starting to see it because you see it on the news all the time. But you know, I oftentimes tell people that you know I I view that service that we provide, much like you know, sump pump coverage on your homeowner's policy. Mm-hmm. If you've never had a flooded basement, there's no way in hell, Jack, you're paying for that rider, right? right. I mean, my insurance is high enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need the sump pump coverage. But if you've ever had a flooded basement, you're getting that that coverage, and you're mm-hmm. also probably going to get a battery backup, yes. too. So um, it just is, you know, it, it's it's the nature of the world we live in. And so um, more and more people realizing the importance of being ready, being prepared, and I think that's what now, because of the, you know, everyone's a journalist, mm-hmm. the immediacy of how fast things get out there. You know, I do a lot of work with school corporations um, across the country, and, you know, when bad things happen in schools, Um, The kids, you know, they've identified the student, they've got video of what happened with the student, they have, you know, posts from the student that threatened to do these things beforehand, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, working with the school corporations, our hands are tied somewhat, um, because of federal privacy known as FERPA. Um, And so we've got to be careful with that dance. But then we have parents outraged at us that we're not being transparent. Well, it's like, well, we have to, you know, we've got to also protect um, the accused, if you will, just because, you know, your detective son or daughter has solved this crime doesn't mean that that's not necessarily exactly how it all went down. So there's a lot of moving parts there, but I think being, being prepared, people are starting to become more and more aware of the importance of, of being ready for something to happen, um, or at least to the best extent that you can.
0: And for the record, uh, I went ahead and made sure I live in a house that has no basement so, seeing oh, I take I, care I, of that. I put all my stock into the attic, so there that I go. all I have to worry about is gravity, and right. that that thing can be tough. Believe me, whoever That's invented right. gravity is a little bit of a jerk sometimes. But yes. you know, um, it seems like education on the subject of communication is the underlying theme of what you just described. You know, because as you said, you can't always be prepared for everything. You can you can think you're prepared for you know everything that you could possibly you know, imagine, and then boom, a meteor hits, and you're like, "Well, I didn't think about the meteor for crying out loud." That's right. You know, is it is it as simple as saying to 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 these these groups, these people, e- even just people in general, just to to do a better job of being educated? on some of these subjects, you know, just so that they're not caught off guard they're, you know, they've put a little bit of work into it, you know, and I know it's not possible for everyone, just like it's not possible for everyone to take the, the nice vacation and whatnot. We all have different circumstances and whatnot. But would that be the underlying, you know, message on 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 communication to make sure that they try and remain as educated as they possibly can be?
1: Yes, I, I agree with you hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. It's it's really important, I think, for for anyone, whether you're an accountant, um, a doctor, what what have you, um, to troubleshoot your your business, your industry, what you care about, mm-hmm. um, and try to figure out, okay, if this were to happen, how should I respond? Or what? And so that that way, if something does happen like that, you're not just caught, you know. Caught in the lights, going, right. what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? Because right. that that is that is one of the worst positions to be in. And oftentimes um when those things happen, Jack, we we end up making knee-jerk reactions that aren't completely thought through. And sometimes actually creates a bigger problem for you um, than if you'd been a little bit more thoughtful and, and had a, a better approach to um to solving or at least communicating whatever the problem is that you're dealing with or your mm-hmm. company's dealing with.
0: You mentioned the the the, the kind of the, I guess I would call it the deer in headlights look a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, how 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 would you counsel people who do have that to to take a step back? You know, I mean, again, we're talking about a situation where no matter how prepared you are, or if you're not prepared at all, you you know you can get end up in that same uh point of of the deer in headlights. You know, is, is there is there a certain thing? I mean, is it is it as simple as you know, gentle therapeutic, you know, methods or, you know, deep breathing? Or is it, is it just the, you know, take a step back and, you know, think it through before you hit the enter button and, you know,
1: send out something that you're going to later regret. Right. So, so the latter part obviously is something you, you definitely would want to do think Mm -hmm. it through, but you know, more times than not, I mean, like I mentioned in talking about the sump pump coverage or, you know, the fire extinguisher behind the glass, you know, break in case of emergency. You know, there are plenty of clients or companies and individuals that become clients when they haven't had me on the front end, and when something bad happens, they'll talk to their core group. So it'll be, you know, their general counsel, their lawyer, probably um, a CEO or executive in another industry that's a friend, not in there, not a competitor, right? Obviously, but you know, they'll be their little circle, if you will, and somehow in that circle, my name comes up. I get these calls all the time from a CEO. I don't know them. I know the name, but I don't know them personally. Hey, and you could tell it in their voice. And I don't care how powerful or how wealthy you are. When something bad is happening, everyone sounds the same. And you just want this pain to go away. Mm. And so they'll call me and it's a varying degrees of I messed up or our company's messed up or this has happened. We need to hire you. You know, can you fix it? Can you, you know, much like going to the doctor, can you make the pain go away? Mm. And that is a common thread, whether you own the ice cream shop or it's a Fortune 50 company. Mm. And so, you know, that's where we really work on. Okay, so here's what, first thing, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to overreact. We're not going to cause a bigger problem. Mm. And some of that, depending on who's on the staff or, you know, how um, experienced people are on the executive team, that sometimes is a hard thing that I have to get them because, they're feeling the pressure, like, if I don't send this news release out or if I don't, you know, do this interview with the network, you know, I'm going to you know, lose my job. I'm like, well, that's not exactly how it's going to work. You got a better chance of losing your job if you go out half cocked and uh, create a bigger problem. Yeah. That gets more people upset. Do you find... Uh, you know, in, in
0: your own personal experience, and perhaps it's probably easier now than it was when you started, is that a, is that a tough burden to for you to, to to carry to a certain degree? I can only imagine that to to take on, you know, such responsibility, which, uh, again, I understand it's it's your profession and, and and it is, you know, it's a business and whatnot. Um, is, is it is it tough to to be, you know, to to, to take a step back and say, OK, I got to make sure I, for lack of a better term, leave work at work? yeah
1: yeah no absolutely um so a couple things there I mean it's it's a challenge um that I that I do not take lightly you know when I do get these calls and people want help I mean obviously I don't want to be wrong right okay oh, yeah. <laughs> so you know that's not good for business um and so there's that part of it where you know and unfortunately I've been doing this long enough now um where I've seen a lot of different situations um so really providing sound good counsel to to the client but then also internally you know i don't have the answers to everything i'm fortunate i learned a long time ago make sure you always have good people around you Mm. and i'm fortunate to have a great team and so internally we troubleshoot these things together and there have been many an occasion i'm readily to admit that you know i thought the answer was x and one of my colleagues is like roger no we need to do y and z and it's like, you know what, that's exactly what we need to do. And so there has to be some of that as well, where you don't it's not just, hey, it's my way or the highway. Right. You know, you got to listen to other people, kind of what we were talking about in the beginning. You mm-hmm. know, don't don't just think you've got the answer to everything. Um, and that's that's part of the burden too, is making sure you're you're listening to the right people and giving good, good advice. I would imagine there's also kind of a
0: sense of irony in that as you surround yourself with those people, you need those people or hope those people at least know how to effectively communicate. You know, I can, I can recall, you know, you try, there are situations where you try and surround yourself with the right people. And sometimes the same message can be communicated in two different ways. And the one way is, is just, it's, it's, you know, it's not getting through. And then the other way, you choose your words a little bit differently and it's like, you know, a light switch. And now it's, you've adopted it. Is that, you know, is that does that go into just uh, making sure you surround yourself with the right people who know how to effectively communicate, or is there a you know a method where you have to train those people who you think might be the right people just to learn kind of the the the,
1: the nature of what you're doing in the first place? Right. No, that's that's a great question, we're, and we're getting into one of my favorite topics, um, uh, which is the HR hiring <laughs> hiring side of things. And I I oftentimes you know. Like because I've got a television background, I like visuals, and I I I I oftentimes refer to this as you know one of those professional um, chef um, stoves, you know, that's got like the eight burners, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got some things that are simmering, or you got some things that are boiling. You got and so you've got to have that mix. You've got to have the seasoned veteran, you know, hard nosed person that's been around the block for twenty something years. Right. But then you've got to have a couple of you know three to five year millennials and people that. Have got a lot of upside, you know. They right. just aren't—they just aren't seasoned enough. But that's okay. I'll take those people if they're aggressive and smart, and you know, think um, strategically. I love those people, and I'll, I'm willing to work with. But you've got to have that mix of mix of everybody. And I think on the company side, on the client side, you need to have those those things as well. There've been a lot of times where um, we get a client through a situation, and we end up working with the client beyond the crisis. And it's more of, okay, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a very thoughtful, you know, CEO or president, because it's like, that was not fun. No, yeah. You know, I do not want to do this again. And and a lot of times what I what I end up telling these executives is, you need to figure out who it is in your executive team that has the green light. And they say to me, what, what do you mean the green light? I said so many times, you know, It's the old expression I use is, you know, show me how I'm measured and I'll show you how I'll behave. Mm. And I said, so if you're signing my paycheck, Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO, I know damn well that I need to do everything I can to make sure you're happy with my performance. So at the top of my list of you being happy with my performance is not being critical of what you're doing. And so, so you had this echo chamber, right? Where, Oh, Jack, that's your vision, your your visionary, your insight, your perspective. It's the same people saying the same thing over and over again. Somebody needs to have the green light Mm -hmm. to say, Jack, not a good idea. Yeah. I'm not suggesting it's all in the bedside manner. You don't do this in a group of 20 and talk down to the executive. That's not a a good position, but you got to have someone on the team that can hold you accountable, that can say, yeah, you know what? We probably ought to rethink this a little bit. Um, and a lot of companies, they don't have that.
0: Yeah. Do you find that, I mean, is, is that, is that a, a personality trait or is that just a a lack of education or, or, or foresight? Or if, if there's even one thing that, that is the common thread, you know, the only thing that I can possibly think of is, you know, and maybe this is more of a modern thing than it was when, you know, again, when we were growing up and whatnot where you know people don't like to hear criticism and 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 it's and it almost becomes a situation of again if you're going to offer the criticism or you're going to be the the person whose job it is to push back can you do it in the most effective way to suit that for lack of a better term ceo
1: right well and that goes back to what you were saying earlier it's how the message is delivered right mm-hmm. It's not like Mr. and Mrs. CEO, you're an idiot. Yeah. Why would you ever think this? That would not be, that's not a good use of the green light. Yeah. The green light would be, you know, hey, you know what, Jack, I I see where this is, where you're coming from with this. What about if we think about it a different way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you've got to just have a bedside manner that um, is, is conducive to, getting that person to look at you, what you're saying and say, you know what, we need to reconsider that, or we, we probably need to go a different direction than what I had originally proposed. Because um, that doesn't always happen either. No, I mean, you're you know, right. Yeah. Do you it, think – go ahead. No, I was going say it's not as simple as just saying, hey, speak your mind and tell your boss it's right. a bad idea. No, that's yeah. not – that's not the message today. Do you think that
0: vulnerability plays a role in that? Because I can almost imagine certain situations where the person with the green light might be very effective in communicating by saying, you know, Mr. Or Mrs. CEO, um I, I to me, I feel X as a reg- uh, you know because of this, and it makes me question X Y Z etc. Is something like that where you're just being vulnerable without you know actually right. critiquing? Perfect. That seems that seems to be like a, a very very good method
1: that maybe we don't tap into that as much. No, I I agree hundred um, percent. Or anything you know being self deprecating. I mean anything like that. Or talking about just kind of just you know easing the tension a little bit. Yeah, and just. Coming across where it's just you and me talking, right? Mm -hmm. We're not. Nobody has a title right now, especially if you're the one that has the green light. You know, it's like it's just it's look, look. We all we all are trying to do the same thing here, right? We want this company to continue. (laughs) Um, We want you to continue to be the leader. So, how can we get through this issue that we're dealing with um, with as minimal damage as possible?
0: Right. Do you think that? The 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 old uh, maybe I shouldn't say the old way of doing it because I think that 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 just isn't the right way to do it. Um, you know, there's there's just that older, you know, sense of, of of some of this stuff that's that's a bit more brash. It's more about the bottom line than it is about how to effectively communicate, and, and maybe it's it's it, it's falls short in seeing that effective communication can actually increase the bottom line is there is that first of all is that on the decline and second of all is there still a place for it you know in certain circumstances because I feel like you know I in in whatever you know I work with I work with people who you know in the world of officiating where you know their job is just I don't care I just got to get the job done kind of a thing. And right. as you know, based upon what you and I had just discussed, sometimes that just doesn't work anymore. That that brash way of communicating and just making sure that the job is done so that we can go home and start drinking kind of a thing is is is, you know, what we need you know that's that's the finish line. How do we how do we interweave that or, or, or balance that based upon the good attributes that it could have versus how a lot of people also are probably not responding to that as well these days?
1: yeah I I think a couple of things so the immediacy thing that we we've talked about I think is a is a key part of it the other thing too is going kind of weaving everything together technology and and to tie in whether it's business to officiating you know think about the games now Jack you know high school games um you can stream those depending on what state you live in. Mm-hmm. There are very sophisticated platforms yep. where you can watch any high school game. I mean, private one A schools in Indiana are on TV. You can watch them. Wow, that didn't used to be that way. Yeah, that's true. Know? And and so if you're if you're an official, um, you know you're not thinking necessarily about that all the time. But the point is, is that that game is recorded. If something were to happen, the chances of someone seeing it live, unless it's an aunt or a grandma or a grandparent or cousins in Florida, what? Probably very limited, but the fact that that does exist, if something bad were to happen, that video is now, you're on the Today Show, you're on Good yeah. Morning America, you're, and so there, there's a lot of other, I think, outside forces. Um, and you see it from time to time. I guarantee you when there's an event that pops up, well, for example, just what this was a couple of weeks ago, and I believe it was in Wisconsin. Um, fans were going crazy on the officials in a high school game mm-hmm. and, and the PA announcer had had enough. And he he basically yelled on the on the microphone and said, "Stop! You know the, the 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 state high school association is looking for great reps. Why don't you get online, fill out an application, and do it yourself?" Okay. If that game had not been, I'm assuming it was a it was a, a live broadcast that was you know recorded and then streamed. That's how that clip got as many you know got spread across the country, and it's yeah. got over a million views, I believe, or probably well more than that by now. Point being is. It's not just for, for these for officials, it's not just a game where it's just a thousand people, you know, that are there right. in the high school gym or the middle school gym. It's being broadcast. And so if something were to happen, you got a lot of risk. It's going to be, you know, shown all over the place. And a lot of times when it's shown all over the place, as you know, it's not shown in context. Right? That's
0: a very you only important see point.
1: The four second act mm-hmm. of whatever has not been good obviously
0: that's a that's an, in, an exceptionally important point in that you know you see just the one part like uh, there was the one clip I think that came out this week that was the 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 I, I mean it was a semi-professional umpire who walked off the field as a third base coach was arguing with him where he was you know basically just turning around and saying like I got three kids I don't need this and right. and what they don't show is that for the first five, six innings of the game, this guy's riding him and just, and you know, that eats at you. And when, if you don't show that in context, you're just not going to get the same, the same feeling as a result of that. So I think that that point is very, very important. Um, just had a, what was the, Oh, I see, I I go on one tangent and I forget. I got another great question to ask you. Um, I've always to talk about the streaming of those games because I I, I've kind of had this discussion a lot with people in my line of work. Um, I always use something like the Little League World Series as an example, where I say it's 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 a great thing that it's on TV for the purposes of all of those family members who can't travel to Williamsport get to watch their you know their relative play there. and and that's a beautiful thing. However, are we are 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 we glorifying it to a point where it could be sending the wrong message? It could be detrimental where these kids are growing up thinking, hey, I was on TV, I can do this, you know, or we're, you know, we're we're, we're providing, you know, um, you know, the 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 ammunition to to find those clips like you just described with the PA announcer and and, and whatnot. Is there is that cost benefit ratio ever going to either balance out or 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 you know, just, just not be the same, the same problem that, I, the way I see it anyway, based upon what I just described.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if, if kids really see it as, Oh, Hey, our games on TV, I mean, especially for the regular conference games mm-hmm. or, or what have you. I mean, obviously we're getting right here in Indiana. We're getting ready for our um, state uh, bicycle, uh, state high school basketball championships. And so that's a little bit different because you're going to be playing where the Pacers play. And right? That, that's a big deal. Yes. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, the, the games that I'm talking about where, and, you know, as you know, there's tens of thousands of these taking place in states across the country. And, you know, it's it's the, you know, 30-something games a season or whatever, and they're all on TV. Well, you know, the chances of something happening are probably pretty good statistically when you have that many games, that many parents in the stands, mm-hmm. and a, some percentage not happy with the coach or the ref or the blown call at the buzzer or what have you something's going to go south and and then that video is right there right. i mean that's that's kind of feeds into the immediacy because if that happened 20 years ago there wouldn't be that video yeah you know and the chances are the rest of the country wouldn't have, have known so that wisconsin example no one would have known probably about what that pa announcer did certainly not in In states across the country, which is what's happened since then, that video has been everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, I want to switch gears very quickly before we wrap up to to this. You know, you've you mentioned transparency uh, a little while ago, and in I I kind of I've always wondered this. Um, There, I'm sure that you know there there are reasons why we need transparency to be either more or less depending upon certain situations you know it's kind of the same it goes into the vulnerability aspect i kind of liken it to like your own family it's like you know certain businesses your own private business what does the public need to know in in your expertise what where should we be standing in terms of transparency because we see you know in media coverage the you know the 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 way that things are getting critiqued and the demand for information can be can be vicious sometimes. How do how you know how should we the general person be looking at the issue of transparency? You know, as if to say, like there are certain things I'm allowed to know. There are certain things that I'm not allowed to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, transparency is a word that you hear you hear a lot about these days. Um, no matter whether it's dealing with the media or your business, um, it's a term used a lot in in political settings. You mm-hmm. know, in state houses and capital, you right? Know, nation's capital. And, you know, transparency is, is often in the eye of the beholder, right? right. Um, you know, what I see as transparency, another person says, that doesn't go far enough. You know, that's not, it's not giving me enough information. And so it's a long-winded way for me to say that I don't know that we're ever going to agree on tra- what transparency is. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, even if it's a small incremental step to helping me as a member of the general public better understand an issue mm-hmm. or what is going on, you know, how that sausage is being made in the back. I think that's a good thing. I okay. don't know that we'll ever be in agreement with everyone that that's perfect. You've just found, you know, Goldilocks, you've just found the perfect right. mix of that porridge. You know, it's it's not too cold. It's not too hot. And I think transparency is going to be always one of those things. That's a, that's a moving target. But I think giving more information, helping people better understand what's going on, is is going to help you in in the long run. Do you
0: do you think that and this is kind of like the the big question to, you know to to kind of sum things up when we when we talk about sportsmanship and the media do you feel like there is this control of the narrative that has just kind of blown things out of the water where it seems like what you know the the way that you have presented how you do your job it seems so honest mature forthright it has brought me a new appreciation for the dissemination of information based upon how, how what i've learned through this discussion and yet you know you can turn on whichever news channel you want and all of a sudden it's you know you, you're almost inundated with the exact opposite from your perspective do you see that as as a conflict, of, uh, you know, as as a dissonance that needs to be addressed? And is there a, is there anything that, again, the general person can 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 kind of understand about it? Also, taking into account what you just said, where there's the, there's always going to be that dissonance of you right. know not agreeing on where, where the transparency should be. How do we how do we
1: more more uh, more widely accept dissonance in that? yeah i to me i think that the biggest thing and you know for what it's worth people listening to us might be like well who's he to say this but you know just one thing that i i think is would be good for all of us part of the challenge when you talk about that you know disagreeing voices or opinions is that mm-hmm. we have now because there's so many options um and you see this in the political world of how divided we are yes because we only listen to the voice that we agree with right no no one, or I should say no one, very few people are out there saying, I'm going to look at the other side of this issue. No, we watch, and this is the reason why the cable networks are as successful as they are, and it breaks down literally among party lines. Mm-hmm. Tonight, what am I watching? I'm only going to watch the people that I like what they're saying. I'm not going to watch those other people. Yeah. And, you know, I've been around long enough to know that there's good and bad Right on, on both sides. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not going to push one network over the other, or one news anchor, or or one political belief over the other. But you know, not everything of one thing is not all good all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way it works. And um, I think that's just a you know a reality that I think we all need to face going forward. That it's okay to, for someone to disagree with you or have a difference of opinion. And it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person if you listen to. I'm not saying you have to change your opinion, but at least understand where that person's coming from. Yeah. And I think bringing this back full circle to when you're talking about the officiating, I think it'd be a good idea for some of these parents that are overly invested and overly emotional in how their kid plays to step back for a second and realize, you know, this ref probably just got off work from from his real job and, you know, loves love sports and you know was really good athlete in high school and probably played in college maybe he or she played in the pros or didn't play but they they love the sport and this is their way to give back and the last thing this person needs to be hearing is somebody mouthing off in the stands um you know telling them that you know they're a horrible person and i'm going to meet you in the parking lot after you know i mean that's kind of trying to tie everything in together there but that's That's what I think we probably all can do a little bit
0: better. I I totally agree. And and for the record, I did catch at the very beginning of that you were using the some of the methods that you were talking about from the get go, because your first thing was, you know, who am I to be saying this kind of thing? That's I almost note that that self-deprecation a little bit. And that makes me appreciate your opinion even more. You know, it, it, uh, to, in, in my experience of what you just said, I mean, feel, I feel like I just experienced what you've been discussing over over these, you know, the, our, the course of our entire discussion is that, you know, you you your your humility brings gravitas to to what you're trying to say. And, and you're clearly the the, the expert in, in how to communicate that um, before we wrap up. I just want to make sure. Uh, is there anything else? Can I can I open the floor to you? To 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 say or speak anything that we may have missed or that is you know is a message that you feel needs to be uh, provided or highlighted or anything like that I just want to make sure that you have that opportunity should you wish to take that.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Jack. I would say first of all, thanks for having me on, and um, yeah, I feel like I should almost turn this around and ask you questions because you were you were wonderful on the panel. I I would say that I think we both agree that the you know, the National Federation of High School Sport, they're doing a great job. You're going to start seeing, you've seen some of this across the country and for your listeners, be on the lookout for messaging and the campaign effort to treat these refs and officials, you know, more fairly, just, yeah. you know, be nice people. And I think as you see that push, hopefully people will start to understand, okay, we, we've we got to do something about this because you and some of the other colleagues that I listen to, you know, you, you paint a picture that is somewhat dire, in my opinion, in the future. That if we don't have, if if the excess of officials continues at the rate it's been going, we're going to end up at a point where maybe we don't have sports mm-hmm. um, for some of these students, which is horrible. I can't imagine not playing sports growing up. I mean, I, I live for that. Yeah. Or or you end up playing, you know, double and triple headers, you know, at weird hours because we got to get multiple teams together at one particular time. And so I, I do think the stakes are high. I think youth sports are critically important. There's a lot of tremendous value. It helps you develop as a as a um a human being in my opinion. And it you know it teaches teamwork and you know all the wonderful things that you need in the rest of your life. And so um I just I'm encouraged by by what you and the other organizations are doing to try to you know, raise some attention to this issue and try to get people to understand that this is a real, a real situation. It's not something just pops up on the internet for looky loos to see some video of someone going nuts at a game. Yeah. You know, that's unfortunately that's that's the the flashpoint that we see. But just take a minute, and look at the underlying issue that these are real people um, that are just trying to you know allow your kids to play sports and you know treat them fairly. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does in their own jobs. I'm sure you know. It's not officials aren't perfect all the time, but it doesn't mean they need to be treated this way.
0: You, you you summed it up very perfectly, and I can't thank you enough for for you know the support that you've provided just in in this discussion, um, Roger. It means so much that you've been you've been able to spare some time to to be with me today. It was a, an absolute pleasure getting to work with you in Indianapolis, and uh, I, I I pray that we can uh, continue to. Find places together where our, our messages meet and uh and God willing we'll be able to speak again in Indianapolis, but sometime after eight o'clock in the morning when we've, you know, had a chance to wake up and actually like think about things a little bit and not just, you know, half asleep as we're trying to be professional. So
1: That's right. No, I, I agree. Well, the pleasure was mine, Jack. Thanks for also having me uh on your program. Great to be here with you. It's it's
0: our pleasure. Roger Harvey is uh, Principal and Managing Director of Strategic Communication at Bose Public Affairs Group. As always, everybody, you can check us out online at osafoundation.org. Email is podcast at Facebook.com slash osafoundation. Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. Until we meet again, everybody, please treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the Osip Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.